Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Well Well. This is Jarrell. I'm Rachel. Thank you for joining us for another conversation. We're happy you're here. <laughs> so we are going to talk about something that I feel as if it comes up a lot and most people have a very strong aversion to doing, and that's having difficult conversations. A lot of suggestions that I make to clients in session are met with some amount of enthusiasm or willingness to try. However, anytime I say, or I shouldn't say anytime, but let's say 90% of the times I say, well, you know, have you tried to talk to this person about this issue that you're, you've been telling me about for the past 30 minutes? There's this look of a deer in a headlights type of situation, and no one really wants to do that. Sometimes yeah. people do, but everyone just freaks out, basically. Happens a lot to me, too. Yeah. yeah. So we're <laughs> going to talk about difficult conversations and what they are and why they're hard and why you should have them anyway. So let's just start with defining that. <laughs> what is a difficult conversation in your opinion? Mm, a difficult conversation. Um, I, I guess I would say that a, a difficult conversation is, you know, any, any kind of exchange, usually when it's people who are close to you in some respect, uh, any kind of exchange that feels uncomfortable or that there's like some nervousness or anxiety or worry about having. Usually when I experience those things, I'm like, oh no, like that same feeling that you talk about with clients, like that hesitancy kind of signals to me that this is probably going to be a difficult conversation. Yeah, that's fair. I think it's confused with confrontation or conflict and I'm intentionally not calling it that because that has a very negative connotation. And I think when we imagine a confrontation or a conflict, we automatically equate that to argument. Right. And so I wanna say difficult conversations don't have to be arguments. I think part of right. the fear, and we'll get into that in more detail, is that they're going to turn into an argument, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be conflict in the sense of what we think of, you know, people screaming at each other and you know, pouring dishes or whatever dramatic picture you want to put in your head. Yeah. So yeah, any type of conversation that doesn't feel normal, you know, the normal way that you would interact with this person, it's a little heavier than that and requires a little bit more effort. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think that this has actually recently gotten worse. And I think that it's a little bit because of the message of that if a relationship doesn't serve you, you should leave or not deal with it. And I wrote a blog post about this that we can link to in the show notes that's essentially saying, wait, hold on. <laughs> Don't necessarily say that just because the relationship feels uncomfortable in some way, does that mean that you need to bail on a friend, a family member, a significant other, whatever, you'll end up with no people because mm -hmm. at some point a difficult conversation is necessary. So I think that's why I feel pretty strongly about clearing the air. We're going to put difficult conversations in such a nice light and make them seem like something you're just really ready to do. That's not true. You're not going to feel ready <laughs> to do that. But I was like, why are you lying? Yeah, that's a total lie. I'm sorry. So why do you think people don't want to have them? Um, hmm. 
I would say that for most people, and this is uh, heavily based on, you know, just being a therapist and seeing people in therapy and that sort of thing. I, I think that these difficult conversations more often than not require like a different level of vulnerability, which I think is very uncomfortable. Because I think even just acknowledging that there is a problem that needs to be addressed means that you're acknowledging like that you were hurt in some way. And then no one, many people don't enjoy feeling vulnerable. And so then to even think about kind of initiating a conversation, it requires that vulnerability to an acknowledgement of like, okay, so this thing hurt, we need to talk about it. So that's right. what I would say. Yeah, I felt some type of way. Right. And sharing that with somebody to ask them to potentially stop doing the thing that made me feel some type of way is hard because right, like you said, you have to first admit that it, you were hurt and that it felt bad. And I think that leaves you open to mm -hmm. going back to that idea of people think it means that there's going to be an argument is somebody saying, no, I won't stop doing the thing or I don't care. Some version of that. Hopefully no one's literally just saying to you, I don't care. Yeah. That might be a person that you might want to reevaluate your relationship with. But I will even take that one step further. And I think mm -hmm. there's a fear of the relationship not being the same again. Mm -hmm. There's this misconception that, you know, what there's still that idea out there that what happy couples don't fight or you mm -hmm. should be fighting with your closest friend. And I think that's so ingrained and we're so panicked of what that might mean if we are quote unquote fighting with that person that which, we don't want to do it. <laughs> right. Which for the record, for anyone who's listening is completely wrong. So wrong. <laughs> just, I just want to explicitly say that, um, but yeah. Yeah. And so I think people, and not consciously, I think if you ask somebody, hey, if you bring this up, do you think this person will never speak to you again? Most people are saying no. It's mm. not logical, right. but then you don't feel that fear of, oh, wow, what if my relationship with this person changes forever? I don't want to deal with that. And in the moment, it's much easier to swallow whatever issue you had in the first place. Yeah. Well, and in addition to that, I also think that it, like you, you run the risk of being hurt again, right? So not only could the relationship change, but if you've already been hurt by something and you bring it up and then you get rejected in some way or feel rejected in some way, then that's another way that you're hurt. And like you just said, then would it have been better just to swallow it and only kind of only be hurt once potentially uh, and then keep it moving? But, but the trick is it never hurts just once, no matter what. Right. Well, that's a good segue into, okay, <laughs> so we've outlined why people don't want to have them. And it seems very reasonable that there's a pretty valid fear there because yeah. that I'm going to, I'm going to make it really um, validating to anybody who has that fear is that could happen. True. Um, there is that potential. That, that never happens. I think it's, less likely to happen if you address issues and have those difficult conversations before it blows up yeah. and become something where you have created this whole pit of resentment and hurt feelings simmering below the surface. And then it becomes about the last six months, for example, of that, mm -hmm. as opposed to just what happened the last Thursday. 
Yeah. I think it's more likely that that is going to turn into something that is going to alter the relationship or change things in a significant way. But so why do people, why should people have them anyway? Well, <laughs> I don't know that I can speak for the world, but I feel like I'm not alone in this mm. in that there are definitely some things that are my stuff. I'm annoyed by something someone does or hurt by something someone does. And I can check myself a little bit and this requires some amount of self-awareness. And I feel like if you struggle with this, you're not alone. Therapy can help. Um, not in our not biased opinion at all, but therapy can help um, to kind of help you get that self-awareness. But I think some things are my stuff of just, you know, unrealistic expectations that we're all a little irrational. So if somebody, you know, says, Oh, I can't be at this thing with you, or I can't do this thing, or I send something to someone and I'm really excited about it. And then they're not that excited about it. <laughs> That's probably not a thing to actually bring up. Mm -hmm. It's just like, we all have our stuff, but right. for things that are significant, I feel like it feels very different it's one of those things where it stings a little bit more, at least for me in the moment. Mm. It's almost like the difference between somebody poking you and then someone punching you in the arm. Mm. You know, same general kind of sensation and action, but a very different feeling. Like the punch obviously is much more intrusive. Yeah. And I think it lingers a lot longer, which going back to the analogy, obviously if you get punched in the arm, you're going to feel it after the punch is done for a lot longer than if someone pokes you. Yeah. Also, let me take that a bit further, because I think at least I'll speak from my experience is that more often than not, <clears throat> it's that even though it's a, a punch over a poke, it's also a punch in an area that's already been punched before. Mm. Right. Yeah. So not even necessarily from the same person, but it's like that's typically those those things kind of come up in our kind of pain bodies of the things that we carry and those really deep feelings of whether that's like unworthiness or insecurity or um, uh, feeling underappreciated or whatever those things are. I feel like that's it really hurts because not just because it's a punch because it's already an injury that you know, you felt many times before. Yeah, definitely. And that, like you said, doesn't have to come from the person being mean to you four times before you said something. Right. We all react to different things. And I think a general disclaimer to put on this, and I'm sure we'll reference this again, is we're assuming that the person who you're having this conversation with or has made you feel some type of way mm -hmm. is not doing it on purpose. Right. And that's okay. You know, I can't possibly remember every single thing. Hopefully I remember the bigger things, but you know, mm -hmm. no, nobody's perfect. That is going to tap into somebody's insecurity or right. just like rub them the wrong way. Even with the people closest to me, yeah, yeah. I'm only human. Right. But that doesn't mean that the impact is not still there. So right. blanket disclaimer, we're operating on the idea that no one is intentionally trying to make you feel badly right. because if they're intentionally trying to make you feel badly. I'm with all those memes. You need to reevaluate your relationship with that person. Right. No one should be needing to hurt your feelings. Right. But in those situations where it's more of a punch than a poke, I don't know how much you're going to be able to completely let that go, especially because mm -hmm. that person doesn't do it on purpose. They're probably going to do it again. 
Right. The more you get punched in the arm at a certain point, it's going to become a bigger problem. And you're not so tolerant of, you know, one punch in the arm because now it's been seven. But at that point, it then becomes a much bigger conversation because of course you're more upset and reacting that way. But the person that you are now talking to had no idea what was going on up until this moment you chose to have the conversation. And usually it's because you exploded. That's usually not a very productive conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> also I just have a, an anecdote kind of about this principle. So <clears throat> in like maybe starting in middle school, maybe even starting earlier in elementary school, I know this is random, but there was, we always said in alphabetical order by last name there was that's weird why like in homeroom or whatever right that's how we were divvied up um and so (laughs) in so in i always you always had the same people in like your homeroom for the most part there'd be like transfers here and there whatever but um so there was a kid who always sat behind me his name was derek derek if you're listening i'm still not i'm not over it but (laughs) i'm just kidding there this kid named derek who was ended up being my friend because basically we sat next to each other for years of our lives. Um, He used to poke me on my shoulder to get my attention. (laughs) Like incessantly, he would just poke me. He just tapped me like Jarrell, 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 because he was bored and wanted to talk or whatever. (laughs) And at some point I distinctly remember just getting in trouble because I would try and ignore him and then at some point, I just turned around and be like, what? What do you want? <laughs> In the middle of class, that tended to not go over well. So. That sounds about right. Right. So also Taurus, all that good stuff. But it is, it's a testament to the idea that like, if you keep, the problem with not having difficult conversations is that if you keep, let, keep allowing yourself to be poked, Um, or the metaphorical punch that we're talking about, like it's going to get at you, even if in the moment you're like, yeah, I'm I'm letting this go, I'm letting this go. You're building up this reserve of anger, annoyance, frustration. And the longer you hold on to that, there's a greater risk for explosion, which then makes it more likely that you're going to say or do something to really damage the relationship as opposed to just working through the problem. Right. And the funny thing is, is I think one of the only takeaways that I still use from undergrad and psych 101 Mm. is the idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yep. I was going to say that's what it is. So you're trying to avoid damaging the relationship, but I'm going to be honest, I don't care who you are. If you're someone who is repeatedly poking or punching me, at some point I don't want to hang out with you anymore. (laughs) I don't want to be with the person who is always triggering me. And it's not intentional. It's not like somebody will text and say, hey, you want to grab dinner? And I'm thinking, no, you're the person who keeps triggering me. I don't want to hang out with you. Mm. But I feel like everyone who is above the age of 16, because I think this is a very middle or high school thing to happen for the first time, Mm. has that friend where they just annoy the crap out of you to the point Mm -hmm. where the next time they reach out to you, you're starting to go, oh, that right you're not responding to their text right away or you're ignoring their email for three days or you're rolling their eyes every time their name pops up on your screen and that is deteriorating the relationship mm-hmm. so 
you're not really winning either way. If this is somebody who you can think and say, they're not trying to hurt me intentionally. You understand the conflict is always going to come up. The more you know somebody and the closer you are is just more likelihood that conflict is going to happen. It's just a fact. You put two people together. It's almost like a science experiment. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time that this is what living with a partner is. Mm -hmm. It's a science experiment and crazy because you're taking two people Mm -hmm. who are different in a lot of ways, hopefully similar in some, but different in a lot of ways who have grown up separately Mm -hmm. and with very different household habits. Mm -hmm. You know, what's the eternal debate of like, which way do you put the toilet paper up or down or on top or below or whatever that people feel freakishly strongly about. And you're telling them to, hey, share a space. Mm-hmm. And also, by the way, like, don't fight because that means your relationship's in trouble. No, that's lunacy. Yeah. So the closer you are to somebody and the more time you spend with them and the more they are involved in your life, the more likely the chances are that you're going to piss each other off sometimes. Mm-hmm. But you don't have that conversation and you just continue to build up a reserve of annoyed you're not going to want to spend time with them anymore. And then there goes the relationship because it's just eroded to this inconvenience or hassle that you have to deal with as opposed to a person who you're really happy to have in your life. Yeah. And I, and I think just to pull out one of the threads you mentioned there, um, kind of going back to the idea um, that we're operating under the premise that the person you need to have a difficult conversation with isn't meaning to cause you pain. Um, I think the, even before that, the, you know, fundamental truth is that by existing in someone else's life, you will hurt them. Yep. I know this sounds like very dark and morbid, but it's true because of those differences in the way that we, like we were brought up or that we just exist and walk in the world and think about and perceive things because of that difference that inherently creates like you know, psychological conflict, right? It creates their different beings coming together and there's bound to be friction. Um, and so as long, so I think people really, I think, and I've talked to clients uh, a lot about this is that we have to accept the premise that just by existing in space with someone else, we're going to hurt them at some point. The, the thing that you can control is one, how you respond to feedback about that pain, these difficult conversations, and also if whether or not you're moving with malintent, right? If you're making choices or doing things on purpose to hurt someone, then you got some stuff to work out about, you know, within yourself and in that relationship, which sometimes we do that. Sometimes we're petty, like that. that's a part of being human too, but that's also on a continuum, right? So... <clears throat> I think that that's just something uh, that I want everyone listening to kind of soak in and accept that is a fundamental truth of existence and like let the anxiety of that go because there's always hope to work through whatever does happen. But if you never acknowledge it, then you can't work through it. Right. And often it brings you closer to the person assuming the conversation goes well You understand the other person better. And then hopefully you don't have that issue again. You know, it might come up again, but hopefully it's much less often and much less severe if it ever does. Yeah. And that's the, that's the counterintuitive idea about all of this is that we're always afraid, like, I guess by default that, that having a difficult conversation is going to change the relationship completely. But, but 
that's true. It does because if if you can handle yourself well, and if the other person can handle themselves well, what you really do is you end up creating a lot more intimacy. You create a deeper relationship, even if it's something silly or small um, that you're like, oh, I don't know, I should really just be able to just, you know, eat this or whatever. But it really does create a, a new depth to the relationship that will feel much deeper, much safer, um, and a lot more rewarding, I think. Yeah, for sure. And so now that we've got all of you on board, you're going to go have all these hard conversations with everyone in your life, but everything that's ever bothered you, <laughs> that's exhausting. Right. How do you do this? So for me, I think the first step is figuring out if it's a good conversation to have. And I know we've spent however long we've already been talking, saying that difficult conversations are important to have. Yeah. But I think a question to ask yourself when you've said, okay, something is going on with this relationship that is bothersome. Mm -hmm. I think a good question to ask yourself and you know, nothing is black or white. So right. it's always a good idea to have these conversations. I'm going to say 90% of the time, mm -hmm. but there's an asterisk that I'm going to put mm -hmm. on it. You need to ask yourself, what are you hoping to get from the conversation? Always. So if it's just about, I want this person to understand where I'm coming from. I want them to know my experience. I don't care what they do with it, but I need to say it. And then hopefully it works out. But either way, I'm going to feel better that I said it. Great. Go forth. Say what you got to say. May the force be with you. May the force be with you. I know that is a Star Wars reference, which might surprise some of mm -hmm. you who read my blog post. I could clapping for you. What, like Star Wars or why, but I know that's a thing. That's <laughs> and I know that every May 4th, everybody's like, may the 4th be with you. And I'm like, this wasn't funny last year and it's not funny this year. <laughs> anyway, anyway, however, it's going to be May. Always good. Every year. Keep that coming. I mean, that is a better one. Yes. I digress. You ask <laughs> yourself what you want to get out of the conversation. And if you want a specific response, you want an apology. You want them to say something in particular that is going to make you feel better. You want them to do something differently. Ask yourself how likely that is to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say you don't give people the chance, right? right? I think that for the first time you're ever having any type of conflict or disagreement with somebody, give them the benefit of the doubt. But I think everybody can think of somebody in their life that you've had the same type of conflict with or you butt heads with in the same way over and over again. Mm -hmm. Or you know who they are and you know how they've been re receptive to feedback or not receptive to feedback in the past. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you can make probably a good assumption of how that conversation is going to go. Mm -hmm. Like I said, if you just want to be heard, have at it. It doesn't matter. But if you're looking for a response that is specific and is really the only response that's going to make you feel better than before you had the conversation, really ask yourself how likely that is to happen. You know, I have people in my life who I think I can tell anything to and we'll work it out. And everyone has their limitations. And some people that right. I love just aren't great with the interpersonal stuff. And so then it becomes a choice on me. Is this something I can accept about this person and maybe adjust our relationship accordingly? Mm -hmm. Or is it something where it's too hard and I really need to reevaluate if this is a relationship that is healthy for me? Right. So those are the things to ask yourself first. 
And then depending on the answer, you can move forward into actually having that conversation. Yeah, and um, this idea of like a desired or expected outcome is something that I often talk with a lot of clients about in addressing, you know, behavior from people in their lives. And it, for those of you who are like really interested in sort of like learning more about psychology, so this is something that you can read about more on, um, that idea of like kind of seeing, tying your disclosure, your sharing to this outcome and, and then saying if that outcome doesn't happen, then it was a waste, um, is, uh, is what we call a cognitive distortion. Um, because it's, it's, which this one is called the fallacy of expectation, right? So you're operating under the premise that um, because you share it, this person should respond in a particular way. And that's not how the world works. You know, people can respond in a myriad of ways. And um, it's important for you to understand what you, like Rachel was saying, like what you do really want and what is reasonable for this person, given your history with them, because you may or may not be able to get what you want. And so, but if you're going into any difficult conversation and saying, oh, this is only good to share if I get X result, then you're very quickly going to learn or think that you shouldn't be sharing because people will disappoint you sometimes. They're not gonna, just because they're different, they may not respond in the way that you want. They may not say the exact thing that you were looking for. And it's really important to, to kind of check that for yourself and monitor like, what is that desired outcome? What do I expect from this? Um, if, as Rachel was saying, if it can still be valuable just to share and then, you know, obviously, ideally, you get the response that you're looking for, then go for it. If you're going to be crushed if you don't get the response that you're looking for and then say, well, I should never say anything to anyone because I can't have what I want, then you've got some more work to do. We've gone too far at that point. Too much, too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's also that idea of what's your goal and to me i feel like you're going into the conversation in a good place if your goal is to be heard and more understood yeah you're ready to i don't want to say explain yourself because i think that has a negative connotation and feels icky for a lot of people mm -hmm. but share your perspective and mm -hmm. in hopes of getting the other person to understand where you're coming from and i am going to emphasize the word understand because mm -hmm. this is a takeaway that everyone write this down. If you take nothing else away from any podcast we ever record, that might be a little dramatic. <laughs> it's um, like, now you're going too far. I've gone too far. <laughs> My apologies. From this episode, that's what we're going to dial it back. Is that understanding and agreeing with you mm. are two different things. Amen. Because if the person agreed with you yeah. on how their action was perceived by you, they wouldn't have done it in the first place, remember? Because we're right. operating under the premise that no one's trying to piss you off right. or make you feel bad. They're not going to agree with that perspective. I right. can say to Jarrell, hey, you did this and it made me feel really awful. It made me feel like you were not prioritizing something that was important to me or you were mm -hmm. disregarding my feelings. He's not going to agree because right. he see it that way in the first place. Otherwise, I wouldn't have made that choice. Right. <laughs> 
but theoretically. he understand right. where I'm coming from and why I saw it that way. Right. To be more mindful of what my experience might be in, a, in the same situation, whereas his experience is very different. He can be mindful of how I'm perceiving something and keep that in mind moving forward. But I think with arguments, let's say, mm -hmm. that ends up being the sticking point with a lot of people of mm -hmm. why they can't let it go is because yeah. you're trying to get somebody to agree with you and they're not gonna, because mm -hmm. otherwise you wouldn't be having the argument in the first place. Right. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think it's just, you know, you never have to agree right. is also the thing. You, the, you don't have to agree. But if you do want to maintain a relationship, there has to be understanding and compassion mm -hmm. to say like, okay, I, I didn't realize this. Um, I, you know, thank you for telling me that next time this comes up, I'm going to pivot this way or I'm going to be more mindful about how I navigate. And then sometimes that's it. Right. Um, and so it's really about showing yourself to someone being seen by them and then having them respect that yep. and not necessarily having to agree. And a compromise can be reached too. Yep. Right? If you, I think an easy example is, you know, let's say showing up for somebody quality time spent, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody says to a family member, a close friend, a significant other, you don't call me enough or we don't spend enough time together. Okay. So in a, partnership, let's say one person thinks that, yeah, you know, if we hang out maybe three times a week, that's cool. You know, maybe I'll go a day without talking to you if I don't have anything in particular to say, all right. But someone else might say, no, that's totally unacceptable. And I need to hear from you every day. Neither perspective is wrong. No one's asking <laughs> for anything outrageous. However, yeah. each person is going to not agree with the other person. But if each person has something they need, maybe they come to a compromise with that. Whereas you're each moving a little bit closer to the other side, but not doing something that is going to make you feel so uncomfortable and resentful over the long term. Right. Yeah. And I'm laughing because I was having my own personal reaction. To <laughs> I know. <laughs> right. To such a like, <laughs> such a like to to have such a stance, like verbalized that way. I'm like, oh, my skin was like crawling. Uh, just that if for somebody me. forced you to speak to them every day. Yeah, yeah. right, <laughs> right. Well, uh, my, my inner introvert is like freaking out. Right, well, we can even use us as an example. So Jarrell mm. and I spend a lot of time together. Mm -hmm. um, he has, is it is it offensive if I say you have less energy than I do, or is that just facts? No, that's facts. Okay, that's just facts. So I am much more willing to do the things all the time. Like I will schedule yeah. things back to back to back to back and for the most part be fine. And Jarrell does not do that. Mm -hmm. That's just a personality difference. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, there have been times where I want to do more than he does. And yes. that's a problem because I want him to do them with me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but what that ends up happening is that there's give and take on both sides. Is right. that without getting into like a specific situation? Because honestly, I can't remember one off the top of my head because I feel like we've gotten pretty good at this at this point. Mm. And there's give and take on both sides. Right. And I think to some extent, we know each other well enough to know where are the times we can push each other and where are the times we can't. Yeah. But it, what that looks like is that I have to be okay if there are some things that he opts out of mm -hmm. with the disclaimer of that if 
Jarrell is not reading the situation well and it actually is more important to me that he's there. Like, I got to say something. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side is Jarrell pushes himself a little bit more to show up for things that he ordinarily, if it was just up to him, wouldn't. Yeah. But also that give and take to say, like, you know, I got to emphasize if, hey, this is a thing I need you to push yourself for versus, you know what? Yeah, my idea would be that you're always there, but don't worry about this. It's not... Go ahead. Don't worry. Yeah, totally. Because, um, yeah, my, my, my personal default, like, I love being at home. I've always loved being at home. So I, I don't need things to do. <laughs> so obviously, naturally, socially, that poses some challenges, right? But people like, oh, let's go do this or whatever. I'm like, yeah, I could. I'd probably enjoy it. But home's always good. <laughs> that hurt me. I'm like, what do you mean you don't? <laughs> right. Home is always good. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, that is a good example of just, you know, how sometimes there are just fundamental differences that are important to work through and, and talk explicitly about. Otherwise, you really might end up carrying a misunderstanding and then treating someone differently or adjusting your life in a way that you don't feel good about. Um, and then exploding on later. Well, and actually that, to go with that a little bit more, that is a good example because if there was something that I said, hey, do you want to go do X? And in my head, I'm like, I am putting a lot of meaning on this. And, you know, like I said, we know each other pretty well. You're a pretty good read of what is and isn't that big of a deal. Mm. But if for whatever reason you perceived it wrong and I'm like, oh my God, how could he opt out of this thing? I don't even know what this thing would be. Mm. But how could he opt out of this thing? I'm so upset that he didn't put the level of importance on it as I did or I expected him to. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that to be like, hey, I hear you and I know that you you know, need some more downtime, but like, actually this is really important. So can we maybe talk about what else you might be able to skip so you can be at this? then I'm just mad. Right. And then when the next time I see Jarrell, like I, it, it ruins it a little bit. And right. then continuing that on is just going to be a huge problem. And like, that's not cool. That's not fair to the other person. Right. Cause you're essentially eroding the relationship without them knowing. And that's yeah. not nice. Yeah. And I, and I think that's a, that's a really important sort of testament to like why it's important to have these kind of conversations is that, you know, just like we said earlier, the self-fulfilling prophecy, if you're, you might end up creating the kind of dynamic in which you are losing the relationship, albeit maybe a bit more slowly um, and over time, but you're creating a situation in which you might lose the relationship or lose it, lose its meaning when that's actually the last thing that you want. Right. But that doesn't mean that hearing that feedback, assuming you're on the receiving end of it, is easy. And I think this is where a lot of times those conversations fall apart. You have to listen. Yeah. And that is so much easier said than done. Because going back to that idea of that anyone who is making you feel badly probably doesn't need to. I assume you're not trying to make somebody close to you feel bad. Yeah. To give or to receive that feedback that you have done so feels awful. I hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much. If you know me at all, I have like, I'm not a big, I have 35 people who could come to my birthday party type of person. I have like five. Um, And I've always really been that way throughout my life. So 
not to say I don't like other people or don't speak to people, but like I really prioritize those close to me. And so if somebody who is close to me tells me, hey, you did this thing that hurt my feelings, I am like, oh my God, I'm Satan. I am the worst <laughs> human ever. That's my initial reaction. I hate it. But I have learned over time that I have to be able to be comfortable sitting with that because if I immediately go to, well, I didn't mean to, but you took it this way, but this is why this is wrong. I'm now making that person feel worse. Yeah. And we're not getting anywhere. Right. It's hard. Mm -hmm. It's not Yeah, hard. And, and I, and you know, on the other side of that, I think that having to offer up that kind of feedback to people is, like, I hate confrontation, personally. Um, I always have. I'm naturally very sensitive. Um, so it makes me, makes my insides, like, electric to have these kind of, like, conversations. Um, but, you know, through my own personal work and, you know, the learning that I've been exposed to, it's, it's just, it's a necessary part of maintaining and sustaining relationships. And, um so I know it's really uncomfortable and awkward, um, but it is a skill that can be built. And so I, my hope is that like people listening to this um, have learned a little bit more about maybe how they can think about these difficult conversations and um, sort of like execute some of the things that we've talked about or be inspired, but also ultimately like that this is also something that you can learn more about in therapy, right? It's like having your own space to figure out how do I assert myself? How do I have difficult conversations, especially when you're just not used to doing that? And maybe you don't feel like you have the language to say things in a way that other people can hear them. That's all valid. And there, there are resources out there to help with that. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you're never going to be excited or comfortable to do this. We may yep the joke at the beginning that you're going to all be feeling totally fine and comfortable and really cool whenever you need to have a difficult conversation with someone. No, mm -hmm. you're never going to like it. It's never going to be something that you look forward to. It's never going to be something that feels good to do mm -hmm. and you can become more comfortable in that discomfort the yeah. more you do it. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong way, assuming you're not screaming at the person. Yeah, that's generally a bad idea. Right. Or just in, with anything, don't right. the scream. Scream is generally a bad idea. For screaming. Yeah. Um, especially when you're talking to another person or you're not at some large scale event. Right. You can scream at concerts, yeah. scream at sporting events. Don't scream at people. Right. Indoor voices. Yeah. But you can sit in that discomfort the more you do it. And there's no rules to follow. And if you keep that in mind, I think it gets a little bit easier. So what I mean by no rules to follow is that everybody's very stuck on the idea. Well, I have to have this conversation in person and it can't be in a restaurant because that's a public place. But I also don't want to do it in someone's home because then it's, they have home turf. It's all these weird things people say where it's like you're doing too much. Yeah. If it feels more comfortable to send a text, start with a text. Yeah. If it feels more comfortable to send an email, start with an email. If you just want to bring it up at the next time you have plans with somebody, start there. You know, you don't know how the conversation is going to go. And I think that that's where a lot of people get tripped up is that you try to imagine the other side of the conversation and play it out. Well, yeah. you because yeah. you're missing the other side. You have no idea how that person's going to react. Mm -hmm. So maybe you send a text 
and it becomes a more involved conversation because maybe they have a perspective that you didn't realize. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, okay, this is bigger than I thought. Hey, let's grab coffee and talk this out. Or like, are you free later today? Like, let's go for a walk. Let's talk about this more in person. Or like, when can I call you? Mm -hmm. Can we talk about this more in real time? Or maybe it's just a, you send a text, let somebody know how you feel. And they're like, oh, wow, my bad. So sorry to hear that. I'll definitely keep that in mind. And then problem over. Yep. So there's no perfect way to do this. And I think all of that is just really masking to make it feel like it's ever going to be easy and it's never easy. Right. You know, we say to clients a lot in various circumstances, are you waiting to be ready or are you waiting for it to feel easy? Because being ready is fair. You know, you, if it's going to be a loaded conversation, you probably don't want to have it at 11 o'clock at night. Right. You probably don't want to have it if you didn't sleep the night before, or if you're hungry, or if you have a lot on your mind, or you only have 10 minutes to talk to this person. Right. That's very fair. You want to do it at a time where you can be emotionally present for it. But if you're just waiting for it to feel easy, you will be waiting forever. And that's yep. why conversations never happen because it's never going to feel easy, yep. but that doesn't mean that it's not beneficial or something that you can do. Yep. Absolutely. So with that said, go forth, have difficult conversations. You can do it. You can do it. And you know, we say that in a little bit of a joking manner, but I encourage you if you're listening to think, is there a person in your life where you've been feeling kind of on edge with because they've been poking you the wrong way or punching you in the arm mm. and you haven't really said anything, I encourage you to think about that and to really think about how you can address it with somebody because yeah. it will make the relationship better in the long run. And if they react negatively, it gives you information about the relationship that was always true. You just didn't yep. have before. That's true. And then you have more knowledge to decide how you want to move forward with that so you can be in your best space as well. Yeah, absolutely. So if you have any other questions or want to give us feedback, we're always happy to listen to what you guys have to say. You can find us on social media at Viva Wellness NYC on Instagram and Twitter. And I am at Rachel Gersten. And I'm at Jarell Carabello. And if you are enjoying this episode or other episodes or all the episodes, please <laughs> leave us a rating and review and share with a friend. Post to social media if you tag one of us or Viva Wellness in your stories of you listening to the podcast, we'll share it and say thank you and give you all the love. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for joining us and we will talk to you next time. Bye.